0: Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH.
1: Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Pat McLean.
2: And I'm Scott Hansen. Well, thank you, Scott. Scott is joining <laughs> us
1: remotely today. So if he sounds uh, like he's not in the studio, it's because he's not in the studio. So. Uh,
2: that's right. Uh, it, it, normally, I'm the one who says hi first and that sort of thing. But uh, uh, it, it, in this strange COVID world we're in, I've got uh, cold like symptoms. And rather than coming to the office in the studio, being in a small studio environment, uh, I thought of that, out of abundance of caution, I would. Record remotely, so that's what I'm doing today.
1: Well, I hope you feel better. Uh, so for oh, I'm, I don't feel bad. I don't oh, feel bad. It's just oh, oh, you just have some cold type symptoms. Well, I hope that it doesn't get any worse because I know um, we are located in Northern California, and we've been waiting for snow for years and years and years. We're in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. And we have been waiting for a big dump of snow for years and years and years. And it finally happened. Um, It finally happened. And I know, uh, Scott, uh, you love to ski. And so hopefully you feel well enough to ski.
2: Um, yeah. Well, there's other members in the family. That's not necessarily their priority. And coming up to Christmas, it hasn't been much of a discussion. But let's look <laughs> for another topic. This is a financial program where we talk about finances and uh, what's going on in the world and, of course, taking your calls and answering your questions. And it's an honor to be here and, and, and be with you. And it, I tell you, Pat, when you look at um, the inflation numbers that keep coming oh, in, oh, oh, I mean, the wholesale numbers were... What about 8%? Yeah. Yeah. I
1: just, I read an article yesterday where this one, uh, economist was, was projecting 9.6% for the, uh, for an annualized inflation index, um, looking at the wholesale numbers, not the retail numbers, because remember it takes a while for things to prices to get through a system. It's funny how, um, prices increases will get through a system a lot faster than price decreases by the way. But, um, Price increases um, it, the, on the wholesale level have gone up, which means at the retail level, they will go up soon. Uh,
2: and it is. Well, even the Fed said that. The Fed said this. They, they, they've now removed the definition of trans, transitory and the kind of inflation and they're plan on having three rate increases next year. Next year. But uh, it's not like we're going to see these prices go back. No, no, no. <laughs> so whatever the percentage we finish the year out of, of consumer prices, where it, it's all of us. We're not going to see those prices drop back again next year.
1: No, no. In fact, we should expect more inflation, especially on the food side, as the cost of inputs into farming have gone up significantly. Fertilizer uh, has gone up at least – has at least doubled since last year in many cases. And uh, some large distributors aren't even quoting prices for fertilizer anymore because they're afraid to – promise a price they won't be able to deliver on and it's one of the major outputs for farming you think farming well farming goes into meat dairy eggs poultry the whole bit um so it's an interesting time isn't it
2: and what we haven't really seen pat is what impact this is going to have on uh state budgets because you look at some of the states uh illinois California, some of these states that have these massive pension obligations that they're way underfunded. Most of these plans have guaranteed cost of living adjustments. Excellent. So point. if you right, you've got a pension of whatever the percent, if, if if consumer prices are seven percent, suddenly the obligation is seven percent more going forward.
0: Excellent and, point. And
2: if if inflation remains high for a period of time, I mean. You look at plans that might be forty percent underfunded today; they could go to fifty or sixty percent underfunded.
1: Yeah, it's and and the reality is, uh, it will not be uh, an easy time to get out of an inflationary environment. It is; it will take some; it will take some work. So, um, hey, before we yeah, go to the calls, it looks like we're going to have
2: negative negative rates um, for negative real rates for quite a bit. Oh, quite a Period of time, yeah.
1: Correct. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the show. I'm going to go to the calls. Uh, we're talking to Brandon. Brandon, thanks for joining All Worst Money Matters.
3: Hey, how are you?
1: Good, Brandon. How are you?
3: I'm doing quite well, thank you. Oh,
1: good. What can I do yeah. for you today?
3: Uh, the reason I'm calling is because I'm 28 years old. I live in California. I just this year got to a six-figure income. I'm looking at about 120 net. Okay. And I was wondering if you had any advice for a guy like me looking to make um, some extra income streams and get to that next level. Got
1: it. So let's talk about what you just asked. And by the way, I have uh, four children between the ages of 21 and 26. And so we have lots and lots of these discussions um, about their first jobs. I assume this is your first or second job and how actually how to save. So let's ask let's ask the questions. You said income stream. Do you mean yes. do you need current income more current income today or are we looking at building wealth? Because there's a difference between the two.
3: I'm looking at building wealth long term. Okay. I uh, was hoping to retire maybe in my fifties and sixties and then go on to Uh, Like a passion project or something.
1: Got it. Well, let's hope you find that passion project in your current (laughs) employment before you have to wait till your 50s and 60s. So you're making about 120. You said net. Is that net of taxes?
3: Uh, After taxes, yes.
1: You're making 120. Good for you. Good for you. And your company has a company 401k? Uh,
3: They do. And um, a couple of years down the road, I'll qualify for a pension plan.
1: Got it, got it, got it, got it. So, but so you have a defined benefit pension plan. So, I'm going to guess you work for a municipality, a hospital, or a utility.
3: A utility. Okay.
1: That would have been my guess because they're one of the few, those three are. Uh, the few industries that state, federal government, utilities, and municipalities are one of the few industries left that have actually what are called defined benefit pension plans. So that wasn't a wild guess for me. Uh, you're putting <laughs> the maximum into the, into the company's 401k? Yes, sir. Okay. And you're going 100% stock with that, Correct. Yes. You should have nothing other than stock in that. You shouldn't worry about the valuation on a day-to-day basis. You should only worry about what it's worth when you're 55 or 60 or 65. Um, Yeah. Do you own a home?
3: I do. Um, The home's value due to inflation right now rose to about 455.
1: And what do you owe on it? Nothing. How did you afford to pay cash for a home or did you inherit it? inherited. You did. Okay. And is the home going to need any improvements
3: soon? No. um, The only thing that I might add would be some solar down the road, but other than that, everything is up to date.
1: Okay. And what are you living on on an annual basis? So your net after taxes and after your 401k contributions, 120, what are you living on?
3: So I'm living on about 40 to 60, uh, depending on how how many times I feel like taking the family out, it's the extra spending that really gets me, but my cost of living is very low. Got it.
1: And tell me about the family. How many kids?
3: One child, and uh, it's just my wife, myself, and my daughter. Got it. Got it.
1: Okay. And you have life insurance on yourself?
3: Yes, I do. It's uh, 200000
1: Okay. And is it, uh, does it carry cash value inside of it, or is it term insurance? It's term. Okay, perfect. Does the wife work outside of the home? No.
3: Stay okay. at home. I wanted her raising my
1: daughter. Got it, got it. You need to buy a lot more life insurance. Um, so okay. that 200000 may be what you're buying through payroll deduct. <laughs> um, but yeah. you need to buy, if I were you, I'd buy $1.5 million of term life insurance.
3: Okay. Uh, Why would you recommend term over, say, whole life insurance? Uh, Because it's less expensive. It's a lot less
1: expensive. It's for a period of time. How old is your daughter?
3: She's
4: eight.
1: Okay. So if you think about how long you're going to actually the term of the life insurance, um, that's why you buy term. The whole life or universal life is a lot more expensive. And inside of those, they have a savings component, but you could do the same thing with a Roth IRA. Yeah. All right. So that's why. So here's what you want to do is you want to buy 1.5 million dollars of term life insurance. You want to start funding your daughter's 529 plan.
3: Okay.
1: Which is uh, the money goes in, it's not tax deductible, it grows tax deferred, it comes out tax free as long as the child uses it for education. And so you okay. want to put I'm guessing you probably want to put 5-6000, maybe even $10,000 a year into that. And you want to go with the age-weighted plan. So in the, you're in the state of California. They have an age-weighted plan. You want to go aggressive age-weighted plan. And all that means is that as the older the child gets, the closer to taking the money out, the more conservative the the portfolio becomes, and it does it automatically. So that's the second thing you want to do. And the third, how much liquid cash do you have in the bank? I'm
3: um, looking at 20000 that okay. might increase um, because I do have a workers' comp issue with a previous company. Okay, but that's not something I'm going to rely on. Okay, so once you after you get
1: fifty thousand dollars in the bank, well, you want to fund uh, Roth IRAs to the extent possible. If you don't qualify for Roth IRA because of your income this year, you can yeah. do a non-deductible IRA and then convert it to a Roth IRA. Awesome. All
3: right. And you said that's once I get about 50000 start yeah, with that? No,
1: you can do that now because it's not that much. Oh. It's not that much. Perfect. But you want to get 50000 So you want to do all those things concurrently, right? The five twenty nine, the IRA, the Roth IRA, or the Roth IRA, depending upon your income. You want to do the life insurance. Then you want to get up to $50,000 in liquid cash. And then after that, you want to just start saving money on the outside. And I would buy the total market. I'd buy the Vanguard total market.
3: Wonderful.
1: And, that's, <laughs> and, you're, and you're good to go. But just remember that, that maximum amount into your 401k, every paycheck for as long as your career goes. When you start getting into your f- early 50s, then we will actually start pulling back the 401k in terms of the equity allocation or the stock allocation, mm-hmm. allocation to make it a little bit more conservative. Wonderful! But you've done a great job. What a great saver. Um, What a great saver. For the utility, are you an engineer for the utility?
3: I'm not an engineer. I'm more of a line inspector currently, but as I move up, I'll try and go for higher positions.
1: Got it. Got it. Got it. So my guess is that I'm just going to throw out there. You work for the major electrical utility in the state of California. They have an excellent pension, by the way. Excellent, excellent yes, pension. <laughs> um, in fact, I have a brother that works for the same utility. Um, excellent pension. And um, I gave him the same advice when he started there as I just gave you.
3: So, Thank you very much. Right, appreciate, I appreciate the call. It.
1: Well, you should be proud, um, proud of yourself and proud of your ability to save so much money. And um, like patience, 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 and you will have a really, really nice retirement.
3: Thank you very right, much. Appreciate and the call. Congrats.
1: Bye. Bye. Have a great Christmas. We're going to go to, if you'd like to join the show, 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999 or 999 If you'd like to join the show, we're talking with Janet. Janet is on the line. Janet, thanks for joining All Worst Money Matters.
5: Hi, um, I'm calling in because I have just recently retired and, um, I, because in the market, I have been really conservative, um, too conservative probably, and I'm wondering what I should do. Now, at this point, um, I have half of my money, um, in stocks, well, um, in a, in VU, and, uh, that's in a 401k and also just, um, with like Ameritrade. And then I have half my money in cash, um, so I, I feel like my cash obviously is losing its buying power, but mm-hmm. how risky do I go at this moment in time, particularly since there's so many unknown variables as to what's going to happen? You read about the market crashing, you read about the market doing great, maybe till yeah. the end of 22. So and, and I don't know. Janet, I'm how old are you? But what do I do now?
1: How old are you? Janet, what's your age?
5: Um, you know what? Uh your volume for some reason is um very low. But I think you said what's my age? Yes. And so I, I just started taking my um my SS. Okay. Um the year before actually, which was a mistake before I left. Um I retired. And um so I I am sixty seven. Okay. And um and, uh, yeah.
1: Well, so, so th- there's one thing you can, it, it, that, that was, that was a mistake. You might want to sit down with a planner and see if it makes sense for, you have all, you've, you've already paid taxes on that though.
5: haven't right, you? Right. Yeah. I got hit bad. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, <clears throat> and what are you living on right now? Well,
5: I have rentals. I okay. have some rentals. I I'm, and then I've got my social security check.
1: Okay, and that's enough for you to live not, on.
5: Yeah, I'm not withdrawing anything from um, <clears throat> my savings.
1: Okay, and this stock and cash are they inside of an IRA or a company four hundred one k?
5: I have um, there's about four sixty in a four hundred one k, but I left at my business, and that was my primary question too. Do I leave it there? It's you know I have it all in. I have a little bit in cash, but most of it's in um, Vanguard, you know, five hundred. Okay. okay, and, and s- the rest. Um, I have a, I have a, I have maybe a quarter or of it in a Ameritrade. That's also in a, a Voo. Okay, and um, uh, I I do have one that's just plain stock, but it's not much. And then the rest is in a, a bank account. Which
1: and what's taxable. the total amount?
5: About thirteen a million three.
1: Oh, a million three. Okay, so. Um, Let me ask you a question. Before you retired, did you worry about the stock market?
3: Did you read about the stock market?
5: Yeah, I did. I was always nervously following it. As a matter of fact, I pulled it out just before um, 2020 when it crashed in March, which was good. But then I was hesitant to get back in. So I was late to get the rebound.
1: Got it.
5: Can't time it. Yeah.
1: And how many times have you done that over the last 20 years, pulled it in or out of the market, went one way or the other?
5: Not a lot, but I did at that point because there was so much chatter about you know I was watching Europe and the the COVID issue. Okay, so I pulled it out. Yeah.
1: So right now you have fifty percent of it in cash and fifty yeah. percent in stocks. So the yeah, and but you're not living on it, which is the which is the key. So. When you think about the stock side of it, and by the way, you shouldn't have it all in the S&P 500, which it sounds like, or most of it in the S&P 500. You should have right. some mid-cap and small-cap in there, and you should also have some international in that portfolio. But you, you, you're, you're an interesting situation because you actually have time on your side because you don't need to take money out of it. Um, but – you react to it emotionally, right?
5: Right. Which is... You, you know, right, yeah. Right. Because and, and, I'm not earning any more per se in the workplace unless I go back to work. But. So
1: it's scary to you.
5: Well, I feel I need to be, and always have felt, I need to be a conservative, you know, just probably because I was brought up by a mother who was in well, the Depression, right?
1: Yeah, well, that's, I mean, we all, we all form our money around... Things that have happened in our life. So one of the right. things that you should think about is, okay, if if I'm not taking any income now, when am I going to take income? And will I allow the stocks to actually go through their cycles? Because they will go through their cycles. There is no way around that. They are going to go up and they're going to go down. But we actually don't know when that's going to happen. And rather than time the markets, we want to actually build a portfolio that allows the equity side of the portion or or the portfolio to actually live through those ups and downs. So in your situation... So would you
5: recommend like buying some Amazon and and, um, Berkshire Hathaway? No, no,
1: no, 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 no. no. I wouldn't recommend any single individual holding um, just because... I mean, for a couple percent you can, but what you really need to do is actually build a portfolio that's going to last for the rest of your life and an allocation that's going to last for the rest of your life. So in your situation, it may be 50-50. That sounds about right to me, but you've got to get away from moving in and out of the markets.
5: So right. you don't recommend moving out right now? And oh, absolutely not!
1: Oh, it's absolutely got not! Gotta crash. No. No. Well, you, it, who knows if if it was ever going to crash? It was going to be at the beginning of COVID,
5: right? And it did, but that for was how long? anomaly? Yeah, I, I right. Mean, but it, it was an extraordinary V, wasn't it? I mean, everyone was saying that's so atypical. Um, it, but will it happen again? Well, know? every yeah.
1: downturn in the market is atypical in terms of length of time. And recovery mm-hmm. that would just happen mm-hmm. to be the one shortest one ever. But if you looked at where the economy was going, what the economy was going through at the beginning, and how quick the recovery started on the on the broad markets, it was outstanding. And that to me was a perfect example of why we should never try to time the markets, because every indicator out there said that the markets would lag for years based upon a slowing economy, and it was exactly the opposite. In fact, the economy uh, most a large part of the economy did very, very well. Unfortunately, um, small businesses were, were really hurt, but the, the tech sector did well. So in your situation, I think that you have a couple things that you should look at. One is you might want to hire an advisor just to keep yourself away from managing your own portfolio. Because mm-hmm. an advisor oftentimes will be able to talk you through or walk you through what the portfolio should look like. The other mm-hmm. thing is, and, and a good advisor would have told you not to take Social Security when you did and why you shouldn't. But yeah. what you want to do between now and age 72 is look at converting parts of that 401k slash IRA into a Roth IRA. Because your income is relatively low right now, I assume. What mm-hmm. Will your income be from right. Social Security and rent? Right right?
5: But yes, it's much lower than when I was working. Yeah,
1: think, and yeah. you're going to have to start required minimum distributions off this IRA at age 72. So right. what you want to do is try to get a front of that. So there, I know you asked about the allocation, but there's a great planning opportunity for the next four years to look to convert dollars from your IRA to a Roth IRA and pay taxes on that. How would you pay taxes on it? You said you had an account at TD Ameritrade, which was a brokerage account. You can use right. some of those dollars there or some of the cash there and actually order in order to pay the taxes on the conversion. And so, okay. a good qualified advisor will actually walk you through that process, and a portfolio. I'll give you an example
5: in our. So, com- would you convert all at once, or do you? Do- no, oh no, a Roth. no, no,
1: no, no, no. And absolutely. there's
5: something called a backdoor Roth. I understand, but that is going to be eliminated this year. Is that correct? Yeah, but
1: you need earned income for a backdoor Roth.
5: So technically, this year I did have some. Um, my oh, then you paperwork. absolutely
1: should look at it, right? So okay. the backdoor Roth is making a non-deductible IRA contribution, then converting it to a Roth IRA. But the problem with that is, if you have another IRA already open, then it actually converts in a pro rata basis. So you, you you may or may not have the opportunity for a backdoor Roth, depending upon how your assets are are distributed. So if you have money, I do have
5: a regular IRA, and I do have a Roth open already. So I'm not allowed to then convert four hundred one k to a Roth. Well, or IRA to or my regular.
1: You you can, you can, but it may not make sense. And I know this, okay. uh, I'm, I'm not avoiding because the questions taxes. because of yeah. taxes. So the best way to, to do a back to a Roth is you have no other IRAs. You put in money into a non-deductible IRA and then you convert it to a Roth IRA. That's the best way I to see. do it. But you've got, okay. you know, just this little conversation that we've had here. You've got a ton of balls in the air, right? You have got a ton of balls in the air. And so the Roth conversion would take place over multiple years. That's how you would want to convert it. So you take your income, your Social Security, your rental income, you look at that income, you look at your marginal tax rate, you look to see what your next highest marginal tax rate is, then you actually map the IRAs and 401ks out to see what your required minimum distribution will be at age 72. And then you determine how much, if any, should you convert to a Roth IRA every year. And the reason you're doing that is so that at age 72, you don't go from the lowest tax bracket to the highest tax bracket in one year because you didn't do some pre-planning. So you're in this kind of this land between now and age 72 for the required minimum distributions, where you really should be focusing on the taxation of the IRAs and the 401ks. Um, And
5: so when you find a financial advisor to help me figure this out, um, is there any particular um, qualifications I should look for within that person to know this tax issue?
1: um, Well, actually, uh, tell them your situation and see how they answer. And if they actually say, well, you should consider this, this, and this, and this is how we're going to do the analysis, then you're probably at the right place.
5: Yeah, because I have spoken um, some time back, a couple years ago, with someone. They never mentioned taxes and were really pushing annuities. Yeah, no, that wasn't a financial advisor.
1: That was a salesperson. Seemed to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Annuities should never come up in the conversation for you. Never come up. So anyway, that's what my recommendation is. Unfortunately, I have to go. Have a Definitely. great uh, Christmas, Janet. For... Appreciate the call. You
5: too. You Ooh. bet. You too.
1: We've been listening. To, you've been listening to All Worst Money Matters. We'll be back right after this.
0: Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com/radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Thanks for joining
1: us Allworth's Money Matters second half of the big show and I'm Pat McLean. That's right.
2: Scott Hansen um glad Devon's been part of this and um, hey just before we go back uh, we've been on I don't know how many years we've been broadcasting on KOA in Denver. Uh, five or six, seven years, maybe. I don't know. Um, but unfortunately, we are um, we are we're not going to be on terrestrial radio <laughs> going forward in in that market. So we will be continuing to be broadcast on our other markets. But um, we we have many more listeners via podcast these days. And sometimes there's just changes with uh, formats and whatnot. So just letting the, if anyone in Denver could listened to this on the radio, you can find us at. Over financials, money matters. Um, wherever you listen to podcasts, and um, go ahead and subscribe, and then it'll get dropped to you each week uh, when we record. Yeah, So there we go. Actually, you know, it's got easy peasy.
1: It's easy. I went and read. I don't know why I did this, but
2: we read lots of weird stuff. What are you going to tell me?
1: No, no. I read the rev, I read the reviews of our podcast. There's over 500 reviews of the podcast, but naturally. Um I you just read the, on the
2: ones that weren't 100% positive. Yeah,
1: <laughs> naturally. <laughs> and uh, um uh the the, the the common complaints were we talk over each other sometimes. That's yeah, fair enough. We do. Um because <laughs> we both have uh, opinions and oftentimes strong opinions about certain things. So we want to share them and it causes us to talk over. But the ones I got to kick out is that we were super conservative and that we're helping people save money on taxes. And because of that, we probably didn't care about things like social security or Medicare or, uh, or other people because we help people save money on taxes.
2: Come on. Of course we do. Like. This is the, (laughs) I don't make the rules of the game. You don't make the rules of the game. Congress and the administration, they're the ones who make the rules, right? Yes. Ever changing. And you would be a fool to live your financial life with having no regard of what the tax implications are going to be for your decisions. That's right. That's right. That's like sitting and playing a game of Monopoly with the kids and saying, oh, I'm not going to worry about what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to roll the dice and see where it takes me
1: Yeah, I mean.
2: and not, not never, buy, never buy the houses or the hotels.
1: Or, or not make any strategic moves, right? And so anyway, I thought I would just share that with you. I don't know if you've ever read any of the reviews from the show, but I took the time um, to just go and read. Um, the negative ones. So um.
2: yeah, that's good. Good for you, Pat. Read the <laughs> negative reviews, and uh, it's not going to make any difference in how we do the program. we have been to the program twenty six years, and uh, look—if you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it. That's what, that <laughs> was where I ended up. There's to. plenty, plenty of financial podcasts, plenty of financial programs out there. A lot of them are trying to sell you something, but you know, whatever. So. Yeah. Hey, let's um, let's go to the call. I think we got our systems working a little bit better here because I'm uh, working remotely. But let's uh, let's go and talk with Tom. Tom, you're with Allworths Money Matters.
6: Hi, guys. Thanks for taking uh, these calls. Your program's great. Thank you, sir. Um, my question is that I've got a, uh, uh, my wife and I are, are about to retire. Uh, she is 57, retiring from 30 years service with the federal government. So there's a pension and a, uh, a good TSP there. Um, I'm 61. I'm going to work one more year. My wife retires at the end of this year. I'll go one more year and then I'll be 62 when I retire. And we also just recently sold a rental property and we're gonna, uh, I'm wondering what to do with those funds because we have a, a net payout from that sale of that property of a little bit over 200,000. Do you owe anyone any money? We do. We have, uh, in our own real estate, we have a 450,000 note on three and a quarter percent on our primary that we took out recently to purchase a vacation home. And we have an inherited property that my wife had from the passing of her father that she took a 275,000 at also about three and a quarter percent. And that's a rental property.
7: So, uh, what your primary residence, what was the mortgage balance before you refinanced it?
6: Uh, It was zero. We actually recently took this note out to, Pay off the remainder on that one rental that we sold, and also pay off uh, Cause you're, or purchase the prop, the vacation property down in Baja. You,
7: you, yes, you, you, you most likely don't have a, a. You're most likely not able to deduct the interest on that primary residence, unless you um, had unless you had a mortgage balance of that size before.
6: No, we didn't have it before, but. Uh, Oh, I thought we'd be able to uh, write off the interest on it because it's a primary residence.
7: No, they limit that. <laughs> so What is the limit, 100000 Well, now it's not even, uh, it's 750000
6: well, on original purchase, but then it yeah. comes
7: down to whatever your original loan balance was. And they used to allow you to take up to 100000 of home equity, but the, the law's changed on that now. So ah, it's, um,
6: Okay.
7: I would take the money and p- apply it against the mortgage, and I'd refinance that mortgage in a fresh 30-year mortgage. Do you plan or... on keeping okay, it? Or even look at, uh, yeah, you're not going to get the same kind of mortgage and bond. Never mind, it's out of the country. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, the, which is probably why you actually leveraged uh, your primary residence Which might have been the, the right pro- thing to do. Property in. What are you going to do with this rental property that um, your wife inherited?
6: We're probably going to sell that next year. And what's the value of that rental property? Right now, about uh, 600 So, so I, When did she inherit it? Um.
7: Actually officially last year. Okay. So you're not gonna have much capital gain either.
1: I, so I like where no. you're going with this, Scott. So if you put that money down on the mortgage, I wouldn't Don't refinance. Finance. You
7: got some more cash coming in. You got more now. cash
1: coming in, take the proceeds from the sale of the rental property, pay yeah, off your primary fantastic. residence, and you're all you got a a home that you own outright and a vacation home you own outright. And with your T S P and your great it's, savings over it. the year, you'll be great. Okay.
7: So I would just right. go ahead and take that, the proceeds and apply it against I mean, you're the gonna primary. Sit. You got enough cash to pay off all your mortgage. Perfect.
6: Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I was, I was a little hesitant to go that deep into the vacation property. My wife really wanted to do that, but it was happy. I was wife, Happy life. Free. Yeah. You'll uh-huh. be debt free. Yeah.
7: Yeah. 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 Happy wife. Happy okay. life.
1: That's right. And, and
6: what, and we, are you going to live there more than six months out of the year? Uh, it's going to be six months in our primary and six months in the vacation. So it's going to bounce. You know, we're going to. The goal is six months in each.
1: All right. Well, talk to your uh of uh your tax advisor about establishing mm-hmm. residency. Right. Yeah. The
7: best way to structure right. that. The best way to structure tax- it. Yeah.
6: You because know, I know, can't you? If you can document six months of residency, you can call it a mm-hmm.
7: primary. Mm-hmm.
1: Talk to your tax
7: advisor. Yeah. Usually, okay. you gotta you, you gotta really make it look like you're leaving. Yeah, because you're in California. Yep. Yeah, you got to make it really. Make yeah. it You actually have to move. Right. Yeah. You have to. You have to get a whole
1: new set of friends down there. You got to pretend like you like them. You learn Spanish. Right. Yeah. You got to learn how to fish.
6: Well, and <laughs> I, we do fish quite a bit. As a matter of fact, that's part of why we're winding up down there. <laughs> you're in the right place. <laughs> yeah, Good for I you. Yep. All right. Uh, Precie- and by the way, like
7: second homes. um, they may not be the best from a financial standpoint, but if you can afford them and you use them, great. right? We all make choices with our dollars. And right. so maybe this is a little bit more than you want to spend. You're there now. You're in a situation where you're going to be able to get these things all paid off.
1: And that you're going to live comfortably. So enjoy. Yeah. yeah. So it's good all for right. you. Appreciate the call.
8: All right. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks.
2: Uh, we're in Washington now talking with Glenn. Glenn, you're with Allworth Money Matters
8: good evening uh thanks for taking my call and uh, appreciate all the time that uh, you all put into doing this program thank you um sure a friend of mine and i like to um, talk uh, finances every so often and uh, a while ago there was a artist about a uh, somebody whose um, term was expiring they were in their mid sixties, mm-hmm. uh, if I recall correctly. Anyway, friend and I are discussing this and saying, "Well, why would somebody renew their policy?" and And uh, he said, "Well, they didn't because you know by that age the premiums are going to be so darn high." But I was thinking, well, there might be some situations where you'd want to renew it. But um, anyway, I figured, well, let's let's call the Let's call the people who know and see what you know what their opinion is. So um, so so it depends.
1: And here's why. So some policies are written with a, a term and that's
7: it. And some are written that it, with a conversion on it. Most I think have a conversion ability. You convert yeah. you can convert it to either whole life or universal life at the end of the term. And so
1: The reason that you would actually convert is if there was a change in your medical status that would cause you not to be able to be underwritten for new life insurance policy.
7: Or even worse, let's say you've got some terminal disease and you know you've Mm -hmm. got less than two years or whatever.
1: At that point in time, you would look at converting. Even if it costs you forty, who? I whatever, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> we actually, I did one okay, with. Yeah. I we did. I did one with a gentleman that he had a term life insurance policy from his employer. It was up after ten years, and he came into my office and said, "I'm thinking of canceling this." And I said, "We'll mortgage. We'll do a reverse mortgage on your house before we cancel this thing because you have a condition that has shortened your life expectancy." The highest rate of return you're going to get, this is pretty morbid to speak of, but he asked me the question, which is we need to actually keep this thing alive because that's your highest rate of return because they underwrote it while you were in good health and you're in poor health now. And therefore, the likelihood of the payout coming sooner ruins their actuarial tables for the life insurance company when you convert it to um, a whole life or universal life policy.
8: Sure, sure. So, Other, the, I mean, another way
1: saying, you do
7: it, let, let huh? is if you want to continue with some insurance, but you would you'd go out and shop in the marketplace and get a new policy, not just keep the one you've the company you've got. Most likely, correct. You go through a medical underwriting again. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to get your best uh, rates. But you're only going to do it if you in that situation if you have an insurable need. And if you don't have it, maybe you're working and want to protect your income or you have a pension that's tied to your livelihood. Right. I should say. Yeah, that's the only the only times that you would
1: actually want to renew that is if you had an, an, an insurable need, not just because it came up or if you had a health condition that would preclude you from getting new new coverage. Okay. All righty.
7: All right. So oh, I think oh, in this okay. argument you yeah. were right and your yeah. friend was wrong. Yep. P- probably in most of your arguments you're having with my friend, my guess, but uh, Is that I'm correct? Glad you called Glenn. I had already put him on. Yeah. The- Thanks. Sorry, Ben. I try to get pretty good at uh have you ever known like this isn't the kind of talk show where we argue with our, our guests, but the, the studios, have, you have the ability to turn off their microphone, right? And the, Like Rush Limbaugh won every argument because they just turn off the person's <laughs> microphone. You, you can make them <laughs> seem like an idiot. Don't you even have an answer for me? <laughs> it's
2: not a word, right? <laughs> so, we're not that show. No. Continuing with, with calls, we're going to talk with Renee. Renee, you're with All Worths Money Matters.
4: It's fun to be able to talk to you guys. Yeah. I listen to you on your podcast, but it's very fun to actually talk okay thank you listening yeah what can we do for you well um i'm a really nice person i just want to tell you that okay and now i'm
7: suspect because if you i I
1: have a hard do you you think the pope says
4: believe me (laughs) well i have a hard time saying no to people okay well that's something different okay that's that's you're easily sold yes okay Um, I have five um, different financial planners, and I need to know how to get it down to one. How do I do that? And then are there going to be penalties if I change accounts into one? Okay. All five of them are in different companies. Okay.
7: First of all, the term financial planner can mean lots of different things. So if you had five... Fee-based independent financial advisors, certified financial planners, that sort of thing, Mike, you should be able to consolidate these without really any cost whatsoever. If you have five financial salespeople who sold you uh, annuities and non-traded investments and that sort of thing, then you could have substantial penalties, um, fees by transferring.
1: And you didn't have a fiduciary financial advisor. You had a salesperson that said they were a financial advisor. So let's break it down. It's going to take us about ten minutes, but let's break it down. Oh, okay. What's the first financial advisor and what product did that person uh, sell you? If you, yeah, we'll call him financial planner A. A.
4: Okay. Um, started when we, my husband and I, first got married and um, put us in like some Roth IRAs. We're retired teachers, and so we started there. Okay.
7: Okay. And what's it, uh, how are they invested in this Roth IRA? Is it in an annuity?
4: No. Okay. No. It's like our, most of these are 70-30. Okay. Yeah. All right.
7: And where's so the then, account held? Is it held at Charles Schwab? Is it held at it some mutual be, life insurance I think,
4: company? I think it's Invesco. Okay. Okay. So he used to be with Kansas City Life and then... Something happened and he changed. And so we went with him, but some of our Kansas City accounts had to stay. Okay. And so that's going to be person number two. Okay. And same thing, um, 70, 30, all of our things are about there. And then person number three, my um, parents died. And so that I kind of inherited that person through my parents. Mm -hmm. financial records person four is through my in-laws after they passed away okay and then the last person a family friend just said you know this guy is a really good guy and he he just does some annuities little stuff maybe a little traditional IRA not much with him
7: nice so number five's out as a contender
4: (laughs) yes okay that, that's good to hear. Okay. Number,
1: and number two is probably out as a contender because they work for a life insurance company.
4: Okay.
7: So they've got okay. conflicts. They, they're they there to sell their life insurance company's products. Number okay. one may be out.
4: Okay.
1: Um, what's Is the firm that they work for, is it a fiduciary fee-based firm? Do they charge you a fee on an quarterly annual or fee? quarterly basis in order to manage the money?
4: No, the only one that does that is number four. Okay. Well, there we go.
1: That's where we'd start. (laughs) That's where I would start.
4: Are they a
7: certified financial planner or another similar designation? Do you know? Um,
4: Certified financial
7: planner. Okay. And let's, we'll tell you why we would start there.
1: Okay. The other ones, first of all, our business is filled with inherent conflicts of interest. it, so much so that if someone comes into the office and they have a mortgage of $200,000 and they have $200,000 to invest, if I say to them, take this $200,000 and pay off your mortgage, I will not receive any sort of a fee for doing that, even though okay. it's in the best interest of the client, right? And so, Which is why
7: sometimes advisors will just take the money. And matter of fact, oftentimes they'll encourage people to take loans on their securities, Because they make money doubling up. Right. Or take a mortgage out of your house
1: in order to invest it. It's an inherent conflict. And that's just an inherent conflict. Then you have a conflict of, do I sell products or do I get paid as a fiduciary to manage the money in your best interest? A
2: fiduciary
7: is just one who has a legal obligation to put your interest above their own. Versus
1: someone that is a commission salesperson has a... What do they call Best interest? Yeah. It's. I a, mean, if I
7: go to the Ford dealership, I'm expecting the salesperson to try to sell me a Ford. If I go to the Chevy sure. dealership, I'm expecting the Chevy dealership to sell a Chevy. Someone who's purely independent, who works for nobody, is going to say, well, what's your best, what are your needs? And try to find the best, kind of a similar situation. And that's why out of all of them, the only
1: one that you had in this list of fives is that. So what you want to do is go to that person and bring them all of the contracts and statements that you have for all of these people,
4: okay, all of and them.
7: Ask them what do you think? What do you think?
1: So I, look, I did it. Um, I've been an advisor for over thirty years. I don't take on. I I worked at one point in time. I had lots and lots of clients. I have thirty now that I've had for the newest one's been with me for twenty years. One of them comes in two weeks ago. Says, calls me up, says, "Pat, I am the trustee of my sister's estate. She has." Things from everyone that blew by her house that stopped and sold them something. So there was an annuity from this, there was a mutual fund from this. It was this, this. They come in so with like this.
7: a Kirby vacuum cleaner as well.
1: It's got it was individual <laughs> okay. stocks that were worth five hundred dollars, an annuity that had hundred and sixty thousand dollars in it. All these things. So we sit in a room, client service person with me. We go through each one of the files. Sell this. Roll this one over. Liquidate that this, that, this, mm-hmm. looking at all the surrender charges and tax implications in any of the moves. Keep this one until she dies. We'll see if it's step up in basis. We. It took us over an hour to go through all of the statements, and that isn't even starting the paperwork. The paperwork will take 15 hours.
4: Wow. <laughs> um, okay.
1: The, you need to you need to do that. And
7: it'll make your life so much simpler once it's done. You
1: only yes. have to communicate with one person. You know that they're going to charge you a fee. Typically, how much have you added all this up? How much money would there be in all these accounts, approximately?
4: Probably 800000 Okay, so
1: you could expect that they're going to charge you between nine-tenths and 1.25% of okay. that on an annual basis. That's what you're going to charge. Okay. They shouldn't be charging you any transaction costs, anything like that. And they should be... Telling you how often they're going to meet with you, they should. You should ask for a full financial plan to make sure that you know how to take the money out over time. What are the things you're missing? Should you pay off mortgages? Should you be gifting money to kids? That sort of thing. So ask for a full financial plan from this person. Okay.
5: Um,
1: and if you want, just... You know, take the podcast, uh, when you hear this on podcast, and bring it into them and say this, just do what these guys <laughs> on the radio on this podcast say. And that way you don't even okay. have to explain
4: it. Sure. Okay. All righty. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it'll be a lot less more complicated than I, I want it to be. And when
7: so you said you're a nice person, I was afraid you were sold a bunch of garbage. You weren't, it's just no. that happened to be, there were different... Situations occurred.
1: Yeah. in life. Yeah, you actually, there was a couple in there that I'm like, yeah, well, you'd have to dig Only into that. Only one
7: you kind of bought just because you've out of a relationship. Yeah, yeah.
1: but, but, it, right. it, and there may be surrender charges on some of it. And the advisor will say, well, maybe it makes sense to hold this for another two, three, four yeah. years and yep. then move it over. Or maybe it makes sense for you to pay the surrender charge. But it, it, you, okay. it, it it's, it's not that big of a deal. You've done fine. The most important thing you did is that you saved money and you didn't make some terrible mistake.
4: Right. Yeah. All righty. All of them are nice people. I just, you know, hate to say no to people that <laughs> are friendly and nice and have done okay for us. So, but it is getting more complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to make your it easier.
1: Most certainly, you want to make it easier on your heirs. Yeah. Okay. It, oh, big time. It, that, that is the big time. That is the big time. Okay. Is when if something happens to you and your spouse,
7: and they're trying to figure out, and then they're, they're, they're trying
1: going. to f- figure it out. Mess. Right. Yes. Okay. so appreciate the call
7: yeah thank you renee wish you well
1: and scott in this last we've got about the oh, whole three and a half minutes left i i wanted to i wanted to talk to you about um bitcoin i was at um my brother's house and uh he has uh three children but two of them i was having dinner with and they're in their late 20s early 30s and we were having a discussion about cryptocurrencies and they all admitted to me that they invested a little bit of money in crypto, and as they said, you know, it's kind of the flyer in the portfolio—the thing that um, that they don't expect much from. They realize it's tons of vol; it's it's got tons of volatility. If it does well, it does well, and they're happy. And if they lose it, they they get it. But I went and did a little bit of research, and I was thinking to myself, I wonder how many cryptocurrencies there are in the world right now versus. Regular currencies. And I found this actually <laughs> – Okay. Right? <laughs> how,
2: many, how, many, how many regular currencies? Were there? Uh, according what to the, the United
1: Nations, according to the United Nations, the United Nations recognize 100, approximately 180 currencies. So right now they say 180 oh currencies, right? I thought it would be wow. actually higher than that. Did you think it would be lower or?
2: No, I think it'd be lower because a lot of a lot of are on the dollar.
1: Yeah, they're they're, they're do
2: as are the,
1: the um cryptocurrencies are trying to peg themselves to the dollar too. Many of them. I
2: mean some there's some other countries that just use US dollars. Yeah. Right? It's, um, yeah. and then a lot of them peg their, their currency to the dollar.
1: But so here's the, 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 the story on the cryptocurrencies. Last year there were six thousand according to CoinMarketCap. There were six thousand cryptocurrencies last year. Good Lord. Today, there's (laughs) 11,145.
2: How many publicly traded (laughs) companies are there on the stock exchange? (laughs) Right. That's hilarious.
1: There's a market cap of the cryptocurrencies. Last year, it was 330 billion. Today, it's $1.6 trillion in uh, cryptocurrencies. And there's a 100 unique digital wallets to hold them, right? So um, actually, it's 100 million unique digital wallets. So that means there's 100 million people that have been storing cryptocurrencies somewhere in a digital wallet. Um, I just found this absolutely fascinating. And next year at this rate, there should be 22,000 cryptocurrencies, right? So the ones we read about, people talk about, are the ones that actually go somewhere because they're hype, but the rest of them just either languish or go go nowhere. Um, but again, um, we are not big advocates okay. of investing. I think
2: most investors are going to make a small fortune in crypto if they start with a large fortune, right? I mean, that's yeah. it's not going to end well for most people. That is, That is correct. That is correct. So uh,
1: before we lo- uh, leave, I just wanted to remind uh, our listeners in Denver, once again, we will be leaving the terrestrial Airways of Denver Denver on KOA, but you can always find us on your favorite podcast, just Allworth's Money Matters on your favorite podcast, or you can go to our website, allworthfinancial.com. Yeah, and hope everyone has
2: a fantastic Christmas.
1: All right, take care, and thanks for listening.
0: This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.